Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, how you doing? It'd be uh, November 17th. It's a Wednesday, as far as I know, and uh, and I'm here in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. My dog chewing a bone at my side, exactly where we were yesterday. I'm hoping to have more energy than I did yesterday. That was a not one of my better. I was in. I, I admit it. I mean, obviously, uh, we all don't have the same sort of mental feel feel to us on any given day you know you wake up in a better state some days than others and yesterday was not good uh as my mother has said about the household it's my brother me and her and a dog and she said i feel like we're sitting shiva and that is what jews do after a death they sit silent in their home, people come and, you know, see them. <laughs> we are. So it's, you know, my dogs are members of our family, and um, we're assuming that that sweet animal is is, is gone. Uh, but when that, it's awful when some, you know, goes missing. When there's no, I usually hate this term, closure. Uh, but when you don't know what's happened and whether a being is alive or dead or what happened, you can see where that just rips at you. And I'm not, I, I'm not suggesting that a dog is the equivalent of a human in this situation. Although for some people, their dog is their their closest literally closest companion. So just saying, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm really going to try to um, step it up today. Uh, the Rittenhouse jury is hanging over my, uh, my unconscious mind today. I'm very aware they're out in that. Can you imagine being in that room? <laughs> and I, I I just, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm like most people. I'm, I'm not looking, uh, I'm not looking forward to what they're going to come out with. I mean, what a, even up to the last minute when this God awful judge, I've never seen this thing happen where they had, so there were 18 jurors. What did I know? They, there were 18 jurors, and then when the both sides uh, close and the juries to go back and start deliberations, six of those jurors are excused. Uh, those then are were the alternates. So in these 18 jurors, none of them knew if they were alternates or really going to have to decide the case. I have to tell you, if I were a, I would just be beside myself if I had paid, you know, acute attention uh, in a case so important 
two people were dead. Uh, and then was told, never mind, thank you. And I haven't seen anything, but that doesn't mean it isn't out there. Of what is the representation diversity-wise of the jury now that it's been winnowed to 12? And I haven't even gotten to the point of it was winnowed to 12 by Rittenhouse himself pulling slips of paper out of a like a drum, a lottery drum. Um, he was told to pull six on each one was a number corresponding to the juror. And then those numbers were read and those jurors were dismissed. And everything I have read in the papers here where Wisconsin law would certainly be known is that no one had ever seen the defendant do that before. Now, I... (laughs) I don't think the fact that he's picking things out can could have been part of a fix. I'm just saying it shows again this judge sort of coddling this murderous kid, coddling him. Here, and do you want to pick? You can, you can take six. Yeah, it, it is. Everybody, everything I've read says it is always done, and these are, you know, defense attorneys talking about it, always done by uh, a member of the court, a clerk or somebody, then it's just odd that, again, this judge thumbing his nose at, at everybody who he has to know he's already... Uh, not made a favorable impression on an awful lot of people, and he clearly doesn't give a damn. I don't know. So anyway, I'm, I'm nervous uh, about what this. I don't. I don't know about the composition of the jury. If anybody knows anything more than I, which is certainly possible, let me know. But that's making me nervous. And. Uh, the big news I see in, in Pittsburgh is that uh, the penguins are being sold. Who knew? Well, I don't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know. I, uh, so the penguins are being sold. Looks like this deal's going through. And everything I've been able to garner from social media is that people uh, – over at the Penguins uh, are happy that everybody seems really happy with this because it's just the millionaire. It's which millionaires are, you know, Burkle's leaving to be replaced by this Fenway group, which, by the way, owns Fenway Park. That's pretty cool. And owns the team that plays in Fenway Park. <laughs> so that's sort of cool. So they, and they, they own them, I think Liverpool and uh, European soccer, they own, uh, and they wanted to own the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, and part of that group is, uh, uh, is LeBron James. So LeBron James will buy uh, 
blown part of the penguins, which is sort of cool. Or not. What difference does it make? Uh, so I guess that's big news, and yet very little is expected to change. Very little in terms of, you know, who sits at the top. And again, Mario will live and die a penguin. He stays. I think uh, probably this is, I don't know, from sports talk radio, you know, there could be all kinds of hand-wringing going on, but I, I, I suspect not. Burkle's millions are replaced by Enway Group's millions. God. So, there's that. Um... I have to tell you, I, I when I woke up this morning, I, I was scrolling around through my, my mail, and, and I saw that somebody had um, posted something on Nextdoor, you know, and it seemed so odd. Uh, it was jarring, the post, because it was, well, I have it here. It, it was jarring in that it was a, a woman and, 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 and she starts off by saying, hi, y'all. And I'm thinking that's such a, that's so foreign, uh, a, a greeting to, uh, this is the point breeze, um, you know, neighbor next door, uh, and hi, y'all. I, and I, I, that stopped me. It did. And, and and it's very friendly. Hi, y'all. My name is Nellie, and I recently moved here from Texas. And I'm thinking, yeah, sure you did. Did anyone tell you don't say y'all? I mean, I don't know. I guess do people do that? It is a, a pretty good gender uh, nonspecific way of, uh, of greeting. So it sure as hell beats yins. I wouldn't say, hey, one of the things you want to do is stop saying hi, y'all, and say, hey, yins. But anyway, her name's Nellie. And here, and can you imagine? So she, and she's young. She's a young-looking, uh, I think, Asian woman. And she says, this is interesting. She's new in a town. She says, can anyone give me any advice on the items I need to get ready for winter? For example, what coat should I buy? What do I need for my car? Thank you. So here's a Southerner coming up to Pittsburgh and saying, Hi, y'all. I just moved here from Texas, and I was wondering, help. Getting cold. What am I supposed to do? And this is what I love about next door. Well, my God, I got so lost in the replies that I had to force myself uh, to stop reading it because I, I had to, you know, read real news. But it was so funny. The earnestness, <laughs> the earnestness with which people responded trying to help this innocent from Texas uh, make it through a winter. And um, 
I ended up laughing so hard because I, I'm imagining Nellie from Texas on the other end of all of this advice being overwhelmed and thinking that she'll never make it through the winter because people are telling her, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, you have to have this, you can't have that, blah, blah, blah. And I can say, I, I don't know what I would have, what would you have said to her? It's so funny. Um, men, men were very eager to, to uh, be of, of some help. And, um, and, and men like Stanley here, <laughs> and this is good advice. I mean, this is a he mansplains to her, uh, but something that she really should know. In answer to her question, what do I need to get? What do I need to know? He writes, when going down a hill and the roads may be slick, put your car in neutral. So when you break your tires, so when you break, your tires won't keep spinning. In drive, they're going to spin and you won't have as much control of the car. Bag of salt. Rock salt's okay, but over time, not good for the cement. Calcium chloride, more expensive, but better in the long run. And be sure to pick up an emergency kit that has a battery charger and keep a flashlight in your car and a window snowscaper and welcome to Pittsburgh. And I'm thinking, I don't have an emergency kit in my car. I don't have a battery charger. I don't even put my car in neutral when I'm going down a hill. And I, I, okay. And so this, <laughs> I'm sure all that, I mean, I do think I'm pretty good at driving in winter weather by virtue of having learned to drive here in the frozen tundra. But, oh, this, this, this woman and these funny people and women tended to tell her what to wear. So, um, Someone has written this, as was mentioned before, you're going to need a good pair of snow boots and the detail with which people went in. So what kind of boots have to be up above your ankle, have to this or that, can't blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, what the hell? My God. If it's cold out, you put a few layers on, right? Here's a, here's a, here's another one. I hope you don't mind this, but I thought it was a riot. You'll need some nice thin wool socks to wear with your work clothes. I don't. What, what. I also recommend a pair of silk long underwear. They make a great non-bulky layer under your jeans or dress slacks. It takes a few winters for your body to get acclimated. Also, you have moved into one of the gloomiest places in the country. It's important to get outside for a little while every day to get some sunlight, but you'll have to take a vitamin D supplement as well. <laughs> oh, I think that's all good advice. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, it just goes on and on. Too funny. I'll leave you with this one. <laughs> Hi, Nellie. First thing, never believe the weatherman. And make sure you have your rock salt before you think you'll need it. Because if you don't, you ain't going to find it anywhere. 
and make sure you stock up on milk, bread, and toilet paper if there's a storm coming. It's a Pittsburgh thing, but it's something you're going to have to do. And even if the roads don't, even if the roads don't look wet, they can still be icy. Welcome. So that's, <laughs> my God, it went on and on. And now she has to wonder whether her car is up to it. Does she sell her car? It's all, it's four wheel drive, all wheel drive. And, the, 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 and snow tires aren't the same. And oh my God, this young woman's head. Hi, y'all. Nellie, um, who is, is, must be just spinning. <laughs> but there's something so cute and, um, and uplifting <laughs> about people. So, as I said, so wanting to be helpful. You know, when they had to tell her she has to get a snow shovel. And she's going to have to shovel. And I'm thinking, well, tell that to a million Pittsburghers who've been living here forever and they never shovel. <coughs> so, funny. And as you know, funny is something I seek out uh, these days. Ah, the president is asking the Federal Trade Commission to investigate if the oil companies, wait a minute, are illegally driving up prices um, at the pump. The problem is, Joe, that it doesn't matter what's causing high gas prices. It doesn't matter if you, in fact, have anything you can do to ameliorate it. It's going to be on you. And when a president happens to, (coughs) just by accident of timing, finds himself um, in a time of inflation and consequently, higher food prices, higher everything prices, higher gas prices, they will be blamed. <laughs> Excuse me. You could, whatever this damn thing is I had, I still have. It's nowhere near the same thing, but it's morphed into something else. I don't know. What do you think's going on? Uh,. We forgot what I was talking about. What did I want to... uh, Excuse me, my dog is puking. Well, I was saying, I I, I really do think, you know, everybody's talking about Biden's poll numbers. And um, if you talk to regular people, and I have said, I've overheard conversations in the Giant Eagle. I mean, people standing... Slack jawed at the in front of in front of the uh, hunk of meat or um, or something else. Everything people who have to literally see. I don't have to watch every penny I spend. I'm a privileged soul, totally. And so many of us who are don't realize that that a trip to the grocery store can be. Uh, for so many 
Americans. Uh, a, a constant, stressful struggle to decide what, how much can be afforded and how to stretch things to be able to feed a family. One of the problems, I think, with people who get into power, they always have enough. And they lose track. They lose any sense or they never even knew because they've lived with nothing but people of, with privilege. People who've never had to make a calculation. Can, can I possibly get that hot roast? Can I get that? You know, I... I and I don't know. I'm I'm going to stop. Uh, one more thing before I guess I get into some of the stuff that's a more difficult. Um, and this is actually something that is difficult for me. I have, and I just wanted to tell you. So one of the things that just makes me unhappy when I'm out in a walking is seeing how many trees are dying or dead. And in my neighborhood in Pittsburgh, which when I moved into it had just a massive, wondrous population of old oaks and maples and just extraordinary trees, well, well over 150 years old. It was one of the things that, that you know, drew me because I, I trees are so important and so special and so glorious. And since I've lived where I've lived, and it's been over 25 years now, I have watched as tree after tree has gone down. And if you walk through Frick Park, you see trees that are tagged and they will be taken down. They are showing evidence of disease. I'm not sure exactly what it is that's uh, the culprit, but you see how this constant fight to safeguard, uh, especially urban trees that live under such stressful conditions, their roots bound by concrete and trying, you know, trying to, I, I, I know people, someone was cutting down a tree the other day and I said, oh my God, that tree looks so healthy. Well, it's messing up the water lines. It's running around this and that. And I'm thinking, no, the water lines are messing with the roots. It got the wrong culprit here. I get it. But when I walk around here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, it is chilling. Almost every other tree has a red spray painted dot on it, you know, about the size of a of a baseball. 
And every tree that's got a red dot is marked for execution. So they are carrying some. They're trying desperately to stop some kind of invasion. And my neighborhood here used to have, my God, amazing trees. Now has nowhere near. I can't believe that people don't plant it. Every one of us feel a need to plant a tree a year someplace. Someplace, just and nurture it. We we need so many more trees. Oh no, I'm sorry. Got a dog. Got a dog here looking out the window. Yeah, all right. All right. No, it's okay, Blue. Oh, oh. So, uh, oh, oh. Um, I'm not quite sure what to do here. Okay, wait. I'm gonna let him. Uh, okay, okay, wait. All right, all right, all right. Time. Excuse me for a moment here. I'm doing a show, you idiot. Jesus. Okay. All right. Here we are. You'll probably be barking to come back in any second, but uh, there you are. Anyway, I guess this is something, you know, that with all the, the stuff we worry about, it, the, the trees, which are so basic, so so much a part of of our daily lives. <laughs> I don't know. And just have a think about it. Every time one of these trees comes down, uh, you know, uh, animals lose their uh, squirrels. Like, wait, 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 what's happening? Our house is being demolished. So it's just, I'm sorry. Change. It's tough. And it's not always for the best. Um, oh, boy. Okay, I'm sorry. My head is a little bit, as I said, I'm just so nervous. I, you think there'll be a Rittenhouse verdict uh, day? It seems like such a complicated mess they've, those poor souls have been given. I just hope they're conscientious. I hope that jury is is composed of as enough earnest people like the people who replied to, uh, Hi, y'all! Nelly from Texas. So, uh, you know, I've been avoiding learning about a subject that I've seen flit by uh, as I read stuff about what's going on in the world. And I thought, I can't. I don't want to take that one on. It looks horrible, and I can't. I don't even want to know. There's nothing I can do, yada, yada, yada. And I finally, this morning, read something. And what I'm talking about is the horror, <laughs> of course it's horror, that is going on right now with people, desperate humans, being used as pawns in a geopolitical game that has been instigated by the 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 horrible, horrible, horrible despotic ruler of Belarus. 
Um, this guy is, you know, he's, he's right up there. I mean, maybe he, he's really, he, he's trying. And this awful human has uh, enticed desperate people, mostly from the Middle East, uh, from Iraq, from Afghanistan, who are desperate to get to a country that, you know, they could potentially uh, be able to find uh, a measure of stability and, and, and hope. And obviously that would be uh, Western and Northern Europe. And these poor souls, as you know, are not getting in. So this jerk has been luring them granting just giving out visas left and right to these desperate people anyone who has a one way airline ticket to minsk yeah gets that visa right away and once these poor souls get there they are forced out of Minsk and toward the Polish border because this jerk wants to create trouble for Poland and for the EU, wants to create a refugee crisis. And when these poor souls get to Minsk, they're, they're given wire cutters so they can cut through uh, the Polish security fences. The Poles, meanwhile, as these desperate souls try to get across the border, as they were promised they'd be able to, are being you know, sprayed with water cannons. You know what the temperature is there right now? They have no shelter. They are in this, what's considered one of the last primeval forested areas of Europe. It's one of the just incredible wilderness. No shelter. There's children. It's not just desperate young men. Some have come with families and children. And they are literally trapped now in this forest with the Belarus autocrats refusing to let them turn around, back out. And then the Poles refusing to let them in. <clears throat> These people are dying. They are dying. They are freezing to death. They are starving. And what are, I, I mean, this is why I knew I didn't want to read this article. <laughs> These articles I kept say, seeing. But there could be as many as 20, 25,000 human beings here. And you got a right-wing Polish government that wants nothing to do with these folks. And what you've got is this guy in Belarus laughing, having created this huge border problem for 
a country that, you know, he wants to bother. Poor Iraqi Kurds said, we are like chickens in a cage in the hands of Belarusian and Polish police. One of them won't let us go back and the other won't let us in. And these people are dying. Wow. Happy. And uh, that list of things that make you unhappy just seems to be <laughs> growing by leaps and bounds. So, but I, I read it. I forced myself to see what this was today, and that's as much as I can tell you. Um, but it occurred to me again. That when this, the only thing we can gain from this knowledge, if you ask me, is perspective. So that when the problems that, you know, get at us throughout a day, the concerns, the stresses and or fears that we have, And some of us have more than others. As I said, some of us are just despicably privileged by reason of accident of birth. And others have a much harder row, a hoe. But most of us are better off by far than these poor fellow human beings that are now freezing to death in a forest trapped between two unwelcoming countries, one of which is just using them as sport pawns. And the rest of the world knows but does nothing. I'm not sure what it can do. I mean, you need humanitarian uh, people to be allowed in, and you can bet Belarus ain't doing it. And for that matter, I suspect not Poland. Unbelievable. I just want to (laughs) say, so when you see Americans just going ballistic over... Uh, not being able to get an item at a store uh, because of supply chain issues. Not being able to get something that they don't have to have, but they want to have, which is our kind of problem. Please, please remember how lucky most of us are. We don't have a clue. Yeah, I saw this. Barbara just sent me something um, Ann Applebaum had written in The Atlantic. And and again, I saw the headline and thought, oh, no, I don't want to read it. But it is, uh, the headline is, the bad guys are winning. Um, and, and we have seen, we have, we have seen that the 20th century after world war two, right. 
we saw this, you know, blossoming of uh, democracies uh, throughout the world. Um, and victories over fascism, communism. Well, the point of the article is that so far in the 21st century, <laughs> that story looks like it's uh, doing a 180. It's uh, things are going in the other direction. And the reality is, is that autocracies are growing and nationalism is growing and fascism is growing. And uh, and when you look at liberal democracies, as they're called, of which we supposedly are one and we still are, uh, we are on real shaky ground because we have within us. Uh, an entire one of our two parties that has gone rogue and gone essentially autocratic, neo-fascist, and certainly anti-democratic. So yeah, the bad guys are winning, and the Belarus guy is uh, is just one. Uh, Xi in China, another Putin, having a good run. Got to pick an American president uh, last time around and pretty much take the United States to this horrific point we're at. We're getting played. <laughs> God almighty. So, yeah, the bad guys are winning. It does seem that way. Um, but, I, you know, I am by nature a pessimist, which is such an easy thing to be <laughs> because of, of reality. And because, you know, life is not, it's obviously not meant to be, uh, you know, a bed of roses, obviously. So, uh, but I remember something I read and I know shared with you, and I can't even remember who said it, but it was <clears throat> that optimists, <clears throat> the pessimists often seem smarter. You know, a pessimistic perspective always seems the smarter one. I mean, you can, there's a lot of dots that can be connected. God knows. I've been connecting them for a long, long time. And the optimists out there uh, can seem like, uh, you know, silly, silly Pollyannas. But I think sometimes the optimists do prove have some life in them. And uh, sometimes things do go better than one expected. But we are definitely not in a great place right now. So the House of Representatives is going to censure this jerk Gosar today. Um, I don't have to tell you about this. I mean, and I didn't see that. This is a guy whose own siblings have desperately tried to out of office. Um, every time he's run, they've run ads telling people he's evil. <laughs> he's, and, and of course he gets in because I guess that's what the people want. <clears throat> he's evil. That's our guy. Oh, we'll see. And censure, that's nothing. That's a slap on the wrist. He might be removed from some committee assignments. 
And, uh, but this is for essentially, uh, you know, threatening to kill um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, sending out a tweet of him killing her in cartoon form. Unbelievable. And the fact that the Republican uh, leadership have not, have not spoken out against is just amazing. So that's what we were saying. Did you see the Wyoming Republican Party has expelled Lynn Cheney? She, I mean, they've, if they could tar and feather her, they do that too, but she has been, she is to be shunned. <clears throat> so, uh, and what's so funny is Lynn Cheney is as conservative a Republican as you could want. That is the iteration before the party went insane. Conservative Republican. Her dad before her. But she has committed the un forgivable sin in the current Republican Party of speaking ill of the horrific human Donald Trump. So, unbelievable. Josh says, I vaguely remember that old quote. The optimist believes that we live in the best of all possible worlds. The, be- the pessimist fears that is true. <laughs> no, I, that wasn't the one that I, that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> the optimist believes we live in the best of all possible worlds and pessimist fears. <laughs> that's true. That's a good one, Josh. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> I do appreciate uh, that. And, um, okay. God, you guys are sending me so much reading. What am I supposed to go? I have a jigsaw puzzle I'm working on. My brother uh, was stunned by the amount of time he wasted in uh, trying to fit little colored pieces together. But I, I said, I really, I know it's wasted time in a way, but I also feel that it is exercising a part of my brain that is not very helpful. And that is things, I'm not good at shapes and uh, uh, spatial stuff and uh, also color. And all those things play into, I'm just, this is my defense of spending an entire afternoon (laughs) staring at colored pieces of cardboard. That's my defense. I don't know about you. Oh. I have an obit. I like my obits. And this one is, it's a little old, but he's still dead, so it doesn't make much difference. Lived a long life. What I'm loving, Aaron Feuerstein. 95 years old. And I sort of, uh, oops, is there a caller there? Hang on. I won't get into the obit if we've got a caller. I do. Okay. Caller, go ahead. 
Oh. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, I, I missed the beginning of your show. Any news about your brother's dog? No, and it's not. We're assuming the worst at this point. Okay. All right. I mean, so it's a it's um, a, it's a it's a very sad household here, and I can't. Yeah, it's awful. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm still holding out hope because um, my mother-in-law's dog took off for a week and then showed up nice right. and clean. Somebody must have took it. <laughs> so you always hold out hope, and I, I wish the best um, on that. Thank you. And, Thank and I remember, you. I know and I remember when your yeah. your kitty went missing for a little while too. And yeah, my cat that. was gone for uh, for about ten days, and uh, wow. Seeing that little black thing outside the door, I was, it, it was like a, a miracle. Yeah. So I, I do know that can happen. It's just the facts in this case don't make us feel terribly hopeful. But thank you. Thank you. Okay. But the, one of the other reasons I called, though, is um, you're talking about how we're all whining about inflation and shortages and everything. And and, and I'm I'm with you. I mean, I, well, that, it, rich, it has a huge no, but it has a huge impact on some, I mean, huge impact on some and on others, as I'm saying, we can ride it out. Yeah, we can ride it out. And, um, and right. it's like all these people who wave the flag and, you know, and they talk about our, you know, when we became great after, during and after World War II, it's like you guys would have sucked during World War II. You know, because we we had we had to ration. People were volunteering to sign up. It just wasn't a you know a select poor boys that were going off to work. Everybody was gone. These people are very very selfish. I mean, they 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 whine when they can't get exactly what they want when they want it. Uh, when they have everything in the world more than what they ever need, they don't volunteer for anything. They complain about the government. They won't get vaccinated. I mean, would they have not gotten a polio shot? I mean, you know, I just, I'm just, I, I just don't. No, I know. That's what happens. You just, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I, I, I know. I know. Yeah, there and, is. They, these are people that have misunderstood uh, the founding fathers' uh, desire for us to be able to be exercise free will <clears throat> and be a free people, and they've taken it to mean that uh, you know they the individual is the is bigger than anything, and individuals. So there's no sense of community with this crowd. There's no sense there's a- of of responsibility for for others. There's only it's oh, a very aren't... self, as you said, self. I mean, they're selfish, self-centered, uh, self-interest. And I do remember somebody saying, "Democracy is based on you know one man, one vote. Is that man's going to vote to, for something that's going to most benefit him?" And so even our the system is you vote your self-interest, although. How people perceive that is uh, is fascinating, since quite clearly we think an awful lot of people in this country vote against their self-interest all the time. And so, uh, I don't know. So, I, so, I, so, I, so I, if, 
if, if these people don't claim that we're a Christian nation, is this the new Christianity that I, I, I guess, because I don't, I don't think Jesus, I used to be what do you Christian. think? Yeah, you think Jesus of Nazareth would recognize their kind of Christianity? So mean spirited, uh, yeah, yeah. What's going to end first, greed and selfishness or our democracy? It's going to be one or the other. You can't, well, you can't keep okay. going on this way. All right, Mr. Happy, out you go. I, I, the callers are getting worse than me. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's quite all right. Have a nice Bye-bye. day. Bye. You too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. Um, you know, Susan and I were talking the other day. I know I've got this obit, but I, uh, but I just realized I wanted. I found some information about. Uh, she went on her. The only I thought energetic part of the show was when Susan went on her uh, abortion rant. But um, yesterday. But the New York Times had a fascinating, uh, moving graphic thing uh, showing why it is so dangerous to be pregnant in the United States of America. And guys, this is, again, one of those things, Americans, that people who are in America who still think we have good health care here are out of their minds. Because every measure, every measure that compares our outcomes to other nations shows us to be abysmal in healthcare. So the first graph I'm looking at is maternal deaths per 100,000 live births. And there are countries where literally women simply don't die in childbirth anymore. Ireland, Luxembourg, Norway, to name a few. The aforementioned Poland, barely any. Um, Getting up to like 10 or five, five deaths. Two to three to four to five. You get Germany, Japan, Australia, Sweden, Netherlands. Guys, I could go on and on. I'm looking at a graph, and the United States barely even shows up on it because the graph isn't wide enough to put us down where we are. We are, it is dangerous to be a pregnant woman. The United States has one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the developed world. And then you look at, you break it down into which states. And big shocker here, guys, what states do you think it is most dangerous to be a pregnant woman? Oh yeah, those would be those red ones. One out of every five women of reproductive age in southern states live in counties with a high risk of death. For pregnant women. 
They might as well be living. I'm not kidding. And somebody, you know, think of these countries whose names we drop to say a place where, you know, they don't have good health care. Like I, I always used to say Botswana, mostly because I just love the sound of Botswana. But for all I know, that is unbelievable slander because Botswana, really, I'm serious, could well have uh, a better better health care. And then if you break this down further, the racial component is mind-blowing. And here's what this piece says. Compared with its peers, the United States' trajectory in maternal health has been shameful. Shameful. There are six categories that people look at for how vulnerable a pregnant woman would be. And I got to tell you, a woman's chance of a healthy pregnancy and delivery varies hugely depending on where she lives. United States being a place she wouldn't want to be. Or if she is not in one of the southern states. Or if she is, whether or not she is impoverished or black or brown or Native American. Oh. Uh, it's horrific. I think I'm sliding in with my, uh, we'll, we'll get Mr. Feuerstein. Firestein, for all I know it's pronounced. I don't, I don't know. Fjordorstein. Um I remember this guy. When I saw the name, it rang a bell. And I, as I tell his story, you're, some of you are going to have your bells rung, too. Um, he is the picture of a good capitalist. And it's how we came to know him. A rich guy who owned a big, big manufacturing plant, employed tons of people. Back in the day when uh, when New England had a lot of textile mills, textile mills. So this is where his his family uh, created one, and uh, they made fabric. It was called Malden Mills. It was in Lawrence, Massachusetts. And the reason it became extremely successful is he invented, or the someone in his employ invented, a textile called Polar Tech, which I'm sure you've heard of. And uh, that was sold, of course, to, you know, hugely to L.L. Bean, Patagonia, and they got very rich, Mr. Feuerstein. And, and then in 1995, and this is where, if you're going to remember, you're gonna, there was a huge explosion at, uh, in a boiler in one of the factory's uh, plants and an ensuing fire that burned for 16 hours, injured more than 30 workers. It was a conflagration and a horror. 
And three days after the explosion and fire, the entire workforce there, 1,400 workers, were summoned back to receive their paychecks. And the assumption was these were the last paychecks they were going to see for a long time. And the guy who owned the place joined them, Aaron Feuerstein. And he not only gave them their paychecks, he gave them a holiday bonus because it was December. It was a week before Christmas. And then he said that he would reopen as much of the plant as he could, as fast as he could, and that he was going to replace any of the buildings that had been lost. And while he was doing all this, he was going to continue to pay the workers. Did all that. He paid them. He worked nonstop. They got some of the buildings up and running uh, very, very quickly. By January, hundreds of his employees were back at work. And then two years later, he opened a gleaming new $130 million plant for all of them. He had taken them through. This is my kind of capitalist because he valued labor. He knew no one gets ahead if labor and owner don't work together and respect each other. He didn't feel high and mighty. He was part of a partnership. Scream. He ate alongside his workers in the cafeteria. You know, you could say, ah, he's just, no, it's what he wouldn't have considered not to. He knew a ton of them by name. He offered no interest loans for them if they wanted to go to school. He made clear that if anybody ever had issues, they could bring them to him, knock on my door, he would say. And so after he did all this, the media recognized it, and he was lauded as this wondrous uh, capitalist, <laughs> a freak, because there didn't seem to be anybody with this measure of loyalty to their workers. And he was quoted in one article as saying this. The basic idea that you can't serve the interest of the shareholder and the worker simultaneously is foreign to me. Their interests should go together. But he prioritized the interest of his workers. And everything was good for a long time, and then it wasn't. 
and then it wasn't. Market took a turn. Who knows what happened? He ended up having to declare bankruptcy. The place was sold. He was desperately trying to keep it alive, and he lost. He was pushed out. And the new owners shut it down. So I just, he was a good man. The story didn't end well, though. And he felt that both he and his workers, as he said, we all became victims in the end. Because the bigger game doesn't play as nice as you guys played the game. <laughs> you get squashed like bugs. Okay, that is it for me this day. And uh, I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I guess I'll I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, keep your heads down. Be careful out there. My God, these I'm sitting in a in a county that has a bunch of yahoos in it that are not vaccinated. And guess what? You are too. What? Stop acting like this thing is over. It's getting worse. Getting worse. Okay. Be careful. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.